The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Welcome to the Source of Truth podcast, and we are glad you're with us today. Um, yes, in case you're wondering, this is the one day that I pre-record uh, the live stream devotionals uh, since I will be uh, out of the office on Monday. And, uh, but we still want to make sure it's up and going. We don't want to miss it. And uh, so we appreciate you making a point to join us on this Monday. And we look forward to the great time we will have together. And so we're going to be back in Proverbs. Last time uh, we referenced several verses from Psalm chapter 63. And I'm going to pull one thought that I had from there into what we're going to look at today in Proverbs chapter 23. Uh, One of the things I I referenced when I was talking about Psalm 63 is that one of the reasons it's good for us as Christians to go to passages like that is that we find ourselves a bit overwhelmed in the world, a bit overwhelmed in our thinking, and it just, we need to make sure that we're allowing God to be that refuge and that source and that strength from the heat of the world. Uh, But one of the things that can happen in our minds, we mentioned our mind roams and it can beat us up with different things, but one of the things that can easily happen is we begin to evaluate where we're at, and Satan says, you know, this looks better, this isn't as good. Let me go back to the original time this happened, back to the Garden of Eden. One of the debates that Satan used, the serpent used against Eve, is talking about what we say that God was holding out, at least trying to convince her that God was holding out on her. Let me give an example. Um, Eve had said, if we eat of the fruit of the tree, when the day we eat of the fruit, we shall die. Uh, even if we touch it, we shall die. And there's a lot of debate over whether Eve you know, added to Scripture. One thing I do know, remember, Eve was never told by God. God gave the command to Adam before he created Eve. Adam was the one that create, told Eve. And you study Timothy, it mentions that, that man was the one that told. Adam was the one that told Eve about this. So there's always a possibility that Eve was told by that. Let's not even just touch it. But either way, that's not exactly what God said. But here, here is something that is interesting. She says, if we eat of this, we're going to die. And here's what the serpent, what Satan said. Ye shall not surely die, for in the day that ye eat thereof, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. He actually started the whole thing with saying, hath not God said you shall eat of every tree of the guard? And he goes, well, everyone except this one. Now, in those two parts, what Satan, what the serpent was doing was he was referencing back to God. Instead of saying, look at all of the great things that God has given to you. Look at all of the amazing abundance that God has given you in this garden of Eden, in the most beautiful place that has ever been created. Look at this outside of heaven. Look at all that God has given to you. No, no, instead of looking at all the amazement, and I believe with all my heart that what was offered in all the other things was better than what was offered in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree was just the one thing they weren't supposed to have, and often our flesh wants that which we're not supposed to have. And so he references initially in a manipulative way how God's holding out on you, and then, wait a minute, you're not going to die. He's lying. No, you're just going to learn things that God's holding out. And it's true. There was truth behind that. There was something that Adam and Eve did not have, a knowledge they did not have at that day. Because, see, they didn't learn anything about good. He goes, in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Please remember, they already knew the good. There was no good that they had gained, no knowledge of good they gained. They were going to gain the knowledge of evil. Now, I've heard people say, can you really understand good? 
If you don't understand evil, can, can I just ask you a logical question? How many of us would love to get rid of the junk of this world and only know good? How many of us would love or look forward to the day in heaven where I don't have to be bombarded with my past or, or bombarded with my grief or bombarded with the issues of the day and bombarded with all of the battles that take place in this sin-sick world? How many of you say, man, I can't wait to live that way? That is what Adam and Eve gave up. The utopia. I'm not living in the filth that we live today, and they welcome him in by listening to the lies of Satan. But yet, sometimes we still listen to those lies today. You know what? I think the world's got it better, or this would be better, or if I just didn't come to church as often, if I didn't just do this as often, and we get this mindset. I've mentioned this to our family, that one of the, the reasons, that there's a statistic, and it's across all denominations, that from about 18 to 28 to 30, that 10-year gap, people leave church to evaluate what they're missing in the world. It's one of the reasons. And they come back with struggles and debt and a lot of different things. But the thinking behind it is, what am I missing from the world? Well, I want to evaluate that in a warning that Solomon gave to his son in these verses. So let's go to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, in verse 1, it says, When thou sittest to eat with the ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. In those five verses, Solomon reminds his son, listen, he didn't say any of this was bad. He didn't say any of this was evil. He didn't say any of this was ugly. He says, listen, don't set your eyes and affections and your desires towards things that are so temporary. You know, when I evaluate the idea of people saying, I'm going to go to the world and enjoy what I'm missing, I think a lot of times what happens is we get a wrong view. We get a wrong view of one aspect of the world. We think that anything is that's not churchy. I hope you understand what I'm saying that. Um, anything that is not centered in church or whatever has got to be evil, got to be bad. You know, God created this world. And he created it to give us life more abundantly. There's a lot of things in this world that are wonderful that don't have to resemble a church service. You know, going out hiking, enjoying the world, enjoying the history of what we've been giving, going out enjoying all that God has given to us. That is wonderful. That is awesome. And there are some things out there. Even, even some of the sin. Remember, um, Moses says he chose to deal with the battles of his, of his Hebrew people than rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The idea to think that we go into the world and we go into sin, it's going to be evil the moment we hit it is wrong. And we've been told that the moment you sin, man, it's going to be horrible. And that's been preached and it's preached wrongly. I mean, in, in, in we go to you know, Galatians, be not deceived, God's not mine, for whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And he that soweth the flesh shall reap corruption, he that soweth the spirit shall reap life after la, uh, everlasting. And we're given the idea that's immediate. It's not immediate. If you, you know, what happens is we go to the sin, we go to the world, and that immediate negative that we think is going to come doesn't. And so Satan convinces us, see, I told you it wasn't like that. And then we get into it. Now, by the way, it will come. The negative of the world, the negative of sin, the junk that is going to come from the world will come. It's just not immediate. Unfortunately, it often doesn't come until Satan has convinced us of all how great it is. And the moment it comes, and Satan's like, how could a Christian be like this? And it beats us up. And so Solomon reminds us of this. Wait, listen, when you look at a ruler, consider diligently what is before you. Put a knife to my throat. First of all, in front of a ruler, don't gorge yourself. <laughs> don't, don't be silly in front of a ruler. Be, be, 
be aware of where you are. There is appropriate nature to life, appropriate scenarios where I should act differently. But here's the thing I want to look at verse 3. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. They're not bad, but they're deceitful. It looks great, but it's not always as good as it looks when you get to the other side of it. It says, labor not to be rich. Cease from thine, cease from thine own wisdom. Don't see the world as this is what I need. I, if I just had... You know, I'm miserable right now, or maybe not miserable. I wish I had more. If I just had a little more money in the bank, if I just had a bigger house, if I just had a nicer car, these are the things that go through our mind. If I just had, then I would be happy. Then I would be satisfied. He goes, well, wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? You set your eyes. Well, here's what it means, set that. Will you set your goals? Will you set your affections? Will you set your dreams? Will you set the thought to convince yourself in your minds, in your mind, excuse me, that if I could just if I could just attain this, then I would enjoy happiness, then I would have fulfillment. Then I would be happy and joyous and fulfilled in life. And you're setting your eyes and goals and affections on things, he says, that are not. Well, what does that mean? Riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. They're not guaranteed. You're putting your hope and your goals and your life on something that doesn't offer fulfillment. And here's what happens. This is what I'm going after. And, and so what happens is I set my, set my affections on all the things the world can offer. And then when I do attain it, because it is attainable, riches are attainable. If you work hard, you can gain wealth. And by the way, let me just take a side note here. God is not saying his wealth is bad. I know many godly people who enjoy wealth. Wealth is not bad. It's the, it's the thinking that wealth will solve my problems. It's, wealth is not bad. It's the thinking that if I attain these things, life will be void of problems and everything will be great. It's not true. Okay, yeah, maybe you won't have to worry about your bills today. But you know what? There's going to be different battles. But here's the problem. Today you've got wealth and, and everything's fine. And, and yes, the battles are different. But what happens when things fall apart and my wealth is gone? I think of many who just a year ago were enjoying, and if not, a year ago and end of 2019 were enjoying great wealth from, from success in business. And frankly, um, some of the greatest success in the greatest economy our country's seen, if not in our history of our country, at least in my lifetime. And man, people were just enjoying great wealth and great success. And then the pandemic hit. And the same people that a year ago were just thriving in the great success that comes from the economy are now wondering if their business will stay open. You see, you see if you put your goal and your life and you're convinced that those things are being fulfilled, it won't be long before that's gone. And then you wonder, why? And that's why so many people run into discouragement and depression. They, they set their affection to things that are not, things that cannot offer fulfillment, cannot offer even joy because they're gone. And we're reminded in all of this to put, verse 19, that thy trust may be in the Lord. I have made known to thee this day, even to thee, have, I, have not I written to thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge that I, make me, that I may make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth? Go to them and send unto, that send unto thee. Can I encourage you that that's what we need to be looking for? And I know I'm a preacher, pastor, you're supposed to say that. Yes, 
But I don't just say that because I'm supposed to. I don't just say this because it's the right thing to say. I say that because it's truth. The wisest man put it down. And I'm telling you, I have been on both sides of this after 20 years. I have been on people who are convinced wealth is going to be the answer to the problems and then find that often wealth brings greater problems than we have today. I, I, at this age of my life, I enjoy, I have more money in the bank than, I've, than I have in the past. I've got a nice home. I can sit back and say I enjoy more than I did when we first got married. When we first got married, um, I was working at a McDonald's in Shelby, North Carolina. Uh, at management, I was getting paid $6.50 an hour. Man, I was rich. And I was making just about a dollar more an hour than anybody else who worked crew. And uh, I thought, man, we got it made. And, and I got some free food, too, so I, I was wealthy. And uh, I'd go home. But consider this, we, we rented a two-bedroom house that I was paying $325 a month for. Uh, most of us, that's, that's probably your power bill on many in some occasions. Um, our, our full coverage insurance on our car was, 60, was $30 every month. So things were simple. Things were, we were $25, $25 a week, $20, $50 every other week for groceries, and we made it. We made a lot of ramen noodles and a lot of mac and cheese, and God bless with other things. You know, I look back on those days, and while we eat better, we go out to eat a little more often. There's more things we can do. I can't tell you that because I have, I can afford to go out a little more often, afford to go do things more than I could in the first two years of marriage, I can't tell you that those years are miserable. I don't look back and say, oh, I, I'm so glad I don't live that way anymore. You know, I can tell you, I can tell you that even though I have more today, none of that brings more joy and happiness than it did when I had none of those things. As much as I'm glad to have them, as much as they're nice to have, they don't, they don't bring fulfillment. And if I had focused myself on thinking, if I can just get these things, then I have fulfillment, those are a lie. They're empty. They disappear. They're just... And frankly, if that's what you're convinced is going to bring happiness, they'll actually only bring discouragement because they won't. It is enjoying my relationship with God, number one, and then all of that God has given me. What has God has given me? He's given me an amazing wife and a wonderful family and a great church that I can worship Him and freedom in this country. These are the wonderful blessings. The world offers things, but they're temporary. And they bring emptiness. Don't, don't, don't allow your mind to focus on things that won't bring fulfillment. While they will bring temporary, excuse me, while they will bring temporary happiness, and while they will bring some things that circumstantially can bring some happiness and some fulfillment in certain areas, they won't bring the true fulfillment you want that only comes from God. And I promise you, when you find that fulfillment in God, not only will you find true fulfillment, those other things are even better. They're even better because you can enjoy those more because you see the great hand, great hand of God in your life. Let your affection be on those things. And when God does bless you with wealth, it's even greater.